this is Dr. Walter Aka, and this is Tooth Be Toad. I have a wonderful guest with me, one of my closest friends. We've been friends for about, what, 13 years. We were just talking about this. Uh, this is Dr. Carrie Cunningham. Dr. Cunningham, how you doing? I'm doing great. Very, uh, very happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Okay. So uh, let me give you a little, I guess, somewhat of background, and I'll have you kind of tell the full story. But Dr. Cunningham and I um, went to University of Pittsburgh together. Hailed a pit. That's right. That's right. But then she left me. She left to go to Case Western for dental school and her residency, and then some. Okay. Um, and that's happened in 2006. Yeah, and that I'm was still, probably our first and only argument. Yeah, I'm still bitter about years. I'm still bitter about and that. And apparently you won't let it go. <laughs> I'm still bitter because, uh, you know, Dr. Cunningham and I are, uh, I mean, we're very, we've been very close friends for so long. And, uh, you know, we've, we, we hailed a pit. We've had our ups and downs with football, basketball, and everything. But I still stay true. You deserted Pitt and went to Case Western. How do you I, feel about that? I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. That doesn't so, mean much. Doesn't mean so much. So going to me. back home was uh, <laughs> it's not something I would think negatively <laughs> of. It's I, I had I spent time away from the dog pound and went to Steeler Nation for Ugh. a bit. Got a wonderful education, but really felt uh, compelled to return to the community that raised me and reinvest. Well, when you say like that, it makes me look horrible person, like a horrible person. So, so thank you. We all have our own stories to tell, Doctor. <laughs> anyway, so Dr. Cunningham, please give us a, a rundown. Starting, I mean, forget undergrad because we don't want to talk about that. But after that, when you started at uh, Case Western for dental school and so forth, give us a little background of your achievements. And I mean, when I say achievements, I mean, you have a lot of achievements. So please. Oh, we're going to do that. Okay. Yes. Well, thank you. I uh, went back home to Cleveland, Ohio, and attended Case Western Reserve University School of Dental Medicine from 2006 to 2010. Became very active in student leadership and was a representative to the American Student Dental Association, both at our school and became president my second year of dental school and then took things to the national level, serving as the council chair on education my third year of dental school and had been appointed to two ADA councils. One was focusing on diversity and recruitment of underrepresented minorities to the field and I sat on the Joint Commission on National Dental Examinations during a time where they were planning to move from a numerical score to a pass-fail. So that was a very interesting time to be a part of the board and took great care in explaining the process to fellow dental students in preparation for the changes that were to come. I fell in love with pediatric dentistry. Case Western has a wonderful Healthy Smile Sealant program that allows for the first patient contact to be right after Thanksgiving break with two weeks of service to the greater Cleveland area by taking dentistry to schools and treating children in a non-threatening environment alongside their classmates. So you're telling me that you knew when you were a second year dental student that you want to do pediatric dentistry? It hit me. Wow. It hit me that, that I felt that I could make a difference. Uh, being back home in a community that raised me was, was important to me, and, and it was also a culture shock. My parents are, will be celebrating 40 years of marriage this year, and every morning we had breakfast at home. It was prepared by my father. Mom was always there to pick us up from school. I had two parents that were very active in my life 
and meals were important. When we would set foot in these elementary schools to treat second, third, and sixth graders to do a dental exam on a child at nine o'clock in the morning and pull out flaming hot Cheetos, hot fries, sour cream and onion potato chip residue from teeth or craters in their teeth, it was a culture shock to me that, that at the time, quarter bag of chips was breakfast for these children. So are we blaming the chip industry? We're not blaming the <laughs> chip industry, but it- Because if we are, we can start a new you know, uh, <laughs> lawsuit. I was spearheaded. Not necessary. I don't have enough of the facts to state a correlation for us to have a case. Okay. All right. But- um, I'm always looking. But definitely, you're so funny, but definitely saw that there was a a need in the community and felt that I could best serve our youngest consumers of oral health care by being a frontliner in the preventive aspects of their care. So this brings me actually back to, or brings me to why you're here, you know, because we've had pediatric dentists on the program. Um, But with you, you're very special in the sense that you chose, instead of going into private practice, to give back in the community health aspect of it, right, where they either had reduced or free treatment, right? And please correct me at any time if I'm wrong, right? Is that basically what your uh, community health uh, office did? Right. I Thanks to you, actually. If you don't remember. No, say when, that again. Well, thanks, thanks to you, yes. Dr. Aka. Yes. When we were Write in <laughs> college and you were in dental school, you had introduced me to the National Health Service Corps okay. scholarship program and had said, Carrie, you like the community health sort of thing. This might be something that's up your alley. And I looked into the program. I am not ashamed of free money. No. I like it. Yeah, thank you. Preach. And, and if I could get scholarship money that committed me to doing exactly what I wanted to do once I finished dental school, which was serve underserved populations, then it worked out wonderfully. Tell them the story about when you went to um, study abroad and how you kind of came to this realization of a bigger purpose outside of yourself. Okay. And I, I said that very, I felt that that was a very good way to say that. I, I, I'm going to write that one down. That I felt good. good about myself. That right was there. good. You should play that back. I'm going to. And write it. I might just put that one repeat for the whole pocket. Like how we used to back in the day <laughs> when you wanted to get the lyrics to a song and you'd record it from the radio. That's right. And play it back and hit pause and write it down. Oh, you, look, a lot of people don't know that. Okay. A lot of these kids these days. They don't know that. They don't right. know that. You they know, don't know spoiled. about yeah, well, they have they have MP3s and they they don't have to worry about like DJs trying to mess them up by <laughs> mess up their play right by right. <laughs> you know darn well you didn't need that noise <laughs> in the middle of my recording in the middle of the recording <laughs> my, my free recording <laughs> um, but anyway please talk about uh, this uh, I love this story because you know this just kind of sums up the fact that there are dentists out there that just don't focus on the money aspect. They focus on giving back, and that's why I really wanted you on this. So, so tell us about when you were an undergrad and you went and studied abroad. And if people don't know what study abroad is, please explain that too. Sure. Studying abroad is, is going out of your comfort zone, going out of your physical place of residence, out of your university, out of the state, and out of the country. At the time, we were in college at the University of Pittsburgh. They were the academic sponsor of the Semester at Sea program. Right which was a floating university that at the time it was the MV Explorer. They now have a new vessel. But then I believe I was on the third voyage this particular trip 
sailed around the world for 15 weeks. While we were in East Africa, my women's studies class went to what we thought was going to be a better women's shelter. And it turned out that it was a daytime orphanage. There were over 200 children there, ranging from one years of age to about 18. Wow. And the headmistress was explaining to us that a lot of the children had lost one or both of their parents to HIV AIDS, and that it really was this community and village effort to raise the children. At that point in time, my interest in dentistry had been to become an orthodontist, wanting to straighten teeth and improve the aesthetic appearance of individuals to help them increase their self-esteem. So not do dentistry at all. I didn't say that. <laughs> Orthodontists provide a great service <laughs> for <up>. individuals <laughs> who, uh, who seek their, their care. And I noticed that there was, I didn't recognize it as fluorosis then, but I noticed that this was not a chewing stick community that we were visiting and asked the headmistress, what sort of dental experience did the children get. And she said, none. There were no dentists around that would treat children. And she explained that they knew that sweets caused cavities so that the children did not get candy or cakes in abundance. However, I looked over during break time and there were baskets and baskets of bread rolls, which from the Carryology standpoint. So the carbohydrates that are in breads and pastries, the first thing our saliva breaks them down into are the sugar components. So while one might not be snacking on a cupcake or a Skittle or a Jolly Rancher, the, the effect is still the same with bread rolls as snack and throughout the day. So I made a commitment at that point in time to focus on the community aspect of dentistry and to want to be there for my brothers and sisters in Africa and back at home who didn't have the resources or even the knowledge about the importance of maintaining basic oral health and hygiene. So with that mindset, I made the application to the National Health Service Corps and was able to genuinely describe my passion for serving underserved populations and was ultimately awarded the scholarship, which paid about 80% of dental school and allowed me to do just that and serve the population upon graduation. So that's actually something I really like because, you know, a lot of people, when they're thinking about getting money for school, they think about the armed services. And now this is another avenue that allows you to actually practice because you practice pretty close to home. I did. Right? I did. So that's another benefit, right? Instead of having to go overseas if you're not comfortable with that, which we learned that 60% of Americans don't even have passports. So they didn't, they could never have done what you did. Right, which, again, some people just aren't uncomfortable mm -hmm. leaving the U.S. So this allows them to do that. So you went through residency, became a pediatric dentist. Yes. Right? You're board certified now. I am. Right? Congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. But talk about working in the actual community service. Talk about the positives. Right? We always want to focus on the positives. But then talk about some of the negatives. Okay. It'll say that being blessed to return home train as a dentist, stay in the community. Where you grew up. Where I grew up. Right. And specialized in pediatric dentistry. There were actually a number of federally qualified health centers in the greater Cleveland area that met the threshold for me to fulfill my service commitment. So I got to train and serve in the community that I had already become familiar with from my dental school years through my residency training. The beauty of working in a community health center is that there are multiple medical services under one roof. Okay. 
So to be able to practice dental medicine, I, I tend to describe that as recognizing that the tooth that we're working on is connected to a living, breathing, organ-functioning individual in which their systemic conditions can have manifestations in their oral cavity and things that I'm making adjustments to in their mouth can have effects to the rest of their body. So the importance of making sure that a child is receiving comprehensive whole body care is really important. Okay. To have pediatric medicine up the hallway and to for the parents who might be in need or asking questions about their own oral health to be able to refer them to a general dentist that's also part of the health center or a medical provider for adults is really important. It allows this synergistic relationship to take place and a multidisciplinary approach to in individuals health care. Okay. So that's the positive. Positive. You're able to collaborate with multiple disciplines. Yes. Give me a ne- give me some negatives if any. One of the negatives, it's not necessarily a negative. You can you can be honest. Yeah. Just say negative. Okay. Fine. Well, well, yeah. The the one of the challenges with oh, treating okay, just say negative <laughs> populations yes. that are that are low income or in, and have limited access is that uh, the no show rate can be very high. So people are coming. People are basically getting treated at a reduced or free rate. Typically not free. Okay, very right. reduced rate. Very reduced rate. And they're still not showing up. Still not showing up. So it doesn't matter if you're paying a lot of money or or you're paying close to nothing. People still don't take their oral hygiene. To, uh, I mean, as importantly, right as right? we as we would like, right? as we would like. But when and, but the worst part about it is, it's these are kids, so kids aren't even in charge. It's not like they can drive themselves to work. Very true. Or drive themselves to their appointment. Very true. Right. So does that frustrate you, knowing that the parents are the ones that are kind of responsible for this no show rate? Frustrating, yes. But then there's an aspect of understanding and empathy that we have to have as clinicians when you recognize that you're you're working on a minor patient who has no say so in their their medical decisions. Not everyone can place oral health at the top of their priority list when when it might be difficult making ends meet child care concerns transportation tends to be a very a barrier to accessing care for a number of families in this population. There's a number you never know what it takes for a person to actually get to the office. So even once they're there, if they do arrive, whether it's late, as frustrating as that may very well be when they show up an hour late or they come in the next day thinking that that was the date of their appointment and their appointment was missed in the same time, mm-hmm. but the day before, at that point you have to to take into consideration not only your schedule and your other patients, but what all did it take for at least they're here. Let's see what we can do for the child while we're here and really making an effort to not turn individuals away. That's a that's a big thing with community health center. Right. And do you find that um, the level of gratefulness is higher, lower, or about the same as uh, the general public, meaning, you know, private practice? Because you've done that too. Yes. And I think, I think I'll say that there's, there might be a, a greater level of appreciation for what I can do for these children. At this, at this state, at, in a at community, community health, health center. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. There, we are often the safety net for children in which other local private practicing clinicians might not accept their state funded insurance plan. And it becomes a where do we, 
Where do we go from here? And to be a board certified specialist brings a little bit more confidence to the community health center environment, which has historically been seen as the place where poor people go, where they go and get subpar bottom tier care because they can't afford to go to the good doctors. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to be a part of an organization and bust those silos down and and to reduce those connotations, ne- those negative connotations with respect to the community health center environment is, is was really important to me. So do you find that, and this is kind of feeding off what you just said, do you find that people may not want to come to the clinic because they don't want to be looked down, they don't want to be looked down upon or they don't, or they look down upon the clinic as, oh, I'm going over there and it's going to be poorer um, treatment. Yes. I think that, so, that, is, so some that people, is a thing. So some people who need to come there or should come there don't come there because they don't want to be, they look at it as, uh, oh, I'm going to go, when I go there, I'm going to be treated less than superb. Well, I think that there's there's an aspect where I've seen it a couple of different ways. I've seen families who maybe there was a recent divorce or the breadwinning spouse has been laid off and they have historically had traditional insurance plans and were used to going to the fancy private practice. And I've had kids say or mothers say or, you know, coming in and saying, well, we're here because we lost our insurance. We've we've got Medicaid now. And so now this is the only place that'll take us. So you're their second option. Right. For, for some individuals. However, there are people who, once the word gets out, seek our care for the for the fact that it's kind of one-stop shopping. I can make my medical doctor's appointment. I can see the optometrist for my vision concerns and get my teeth cleaned or mix that up. And then the whole family can be treated in one one location at roughly the same time. And it just for, for patients who have challenges with accessing medical health care, having a community health center that serves as as a complete care. Right. Is 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 definitely desirable. Got you. Here's a question. What is the difference between your community health and something like a um, like a, a Catholic charities? You know, would it be because I, I worked at a Catholic charity, right? Okay. And I had dentists there, and most of the time they're funded through private fund, you know, uh, funds where you know the um, maybe there's a, a wealthy family that donates uh, money so that the clinic could. Um, could, I don't know, get Operate. a new chair or whatever it may be, right? So what's the difference between that and, and with yours? I mean, because I believe there some of them are also still funded by the government, but not as much, okay. right? So typically, these federally qualified health centers or FQHCs, they love acronyms, <laughs> do receive federal funds. So this is taxpayer money. There are grant opportunities throughout the year that pop up for different sorts of things. Likely over the past few years with more attention to substance abuse with opioid, there's there's been more of a drive to to have community health centers increase their services to include behavior health and things like that. There have been there was an oral health services expansion grant that was brought up a few years ago and the community health center I was working for was awarded that. So with that being said, do you see that your funds or have you experienced funds being cut uh, year to year? Not necessarily. Or I have not witnessed that. However, when I mean advocacy at the national 
level is is something that is community health centers are certainly encouraged to participate. There's their funding cliff that has it's popped up at least twice over the past four years in which federal dollars that fund federally qualified health centers is is on the chopping block. It's well where where we where could we better spend taxpayer monies and defense. Okay. That's that's, that's, that's what I hear. That's okay. <laughs> I hear we should get more guns. Oh great. That, that's exactly so, what we need. I mean instead of instead of kids and you know and forget and, Whitney. Uh, you know, I believe the children are our future. No. No, let's get a missile. That's gotcha. our future. Great. So that, I'm that just trying to help looking you really bright. I'm just trying to help you. I'm just throwing Insert out sarcasm. ideas <laughs> of what could happen, what right. went wrong. It's, so, but that's sad, though, it's, right? Right. It is. It's unfortunate, but it's it's the there's a national organization for community health centers, and there's a political action committee that is comprised of leadership of community health centers, and they bring evidence to Capitol Hill, and right. they're meeting with senators, and they're having the conversations they're testifying in the appropriate forums right justifying the need for funding for funding got you and luckily over the past couple of times that the funding cliff has been a threat it's been avoided and federally qualified health centers have continued to receive funding got you last question and we'll wrap this up um why do you think more dental students don't apply to these community health services so they can get their students' loan paid off, right? Because we know that student loans is, what, over a trillion dollars, if not more now? So why do you think people don't use this avenue to pay off their student loans and give back to the community? I don't know that necessarily everyone knows about it. Okay. I think we hear the uh, Health Profession Scholarship Program through the Armed Forces might very well be more advertised as an option to pay uh, to help defray the cost of a dental education, there are some limitations with this pathway to the scholarship pathway. There, the focus of a community health center is to be able to provide primary care. So for that individual who is gung-ho on specializing in orthodontics, they would not be a candidate for this scholarship opportunity or this program unless they were committed to deferring their specialty in orthodontics to fulfill a potentially four-year service commitment to the National Health Service Corps. So mostly pediatric and general dentist. And dental public health. And dental, pu- and dental public health yes. are the three that most of the time qualify for. Correct. Okay, well, there you go. You know, uh, What about oral surgeons or anything like that? Not a part of this program. See? So right. there you go. So that's an educational thing that people, you know, if you're listening, and, and, I, and I know a few people that email us are trying to go into dental school or in dental school, and they say, you know, this is something that now you can kind of say, hey, I've learned this, and maybe I should look into this. And you can apply for it even when you're in school, correct? Yes. You do apply. You apply as you can apply while you're in dental school, or you can apply as early as the year before you matriculate into dental school. So your fourth year, your senior year of undergrad, take the time, explore the National Service Corps. This is a great program if you are passionate about treating this population. They are very vulnerable. They can they can be a bit of a challenge to to deal with. So it takes a special individual to be dedicated and not become jaded by this experience. One of the drawbacks, if you do not fulfill, if you're a scholarship recipient and you do not fulfill your service commitment or obligation, is a pretty hefty 
financial repayment. So you paid him back for what they paid you? Three times plus interest of oh, what they paid for Jesus. your dental education. So you're far. telling me if they paid you a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. you have to pay them back three hundred thousand. Yes. Yeah, I would fulfill that requirement. You fulfill it. So instead of being <laughs> wow. one who has to pay, see, dental school for me was about a quarter of a million is what the government paid for. Right. And I could not imagine having right. to pay. And it's from the moment they started dispersing funds. And here I am eight years out of dental school. And that interest would have accrued from the very first disbursement of money in 2006. Right. And they still if pay I you. defaulted on my service commitment. And they still give you like a little stipend, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a so. stipend. Uh, there was a monthly stipend. That is, there is no tax that's taken out of it. So I would certainly recommend that if, if one became a scholarship recipient, that from a tax standpoint, you made sure that you had some money set aside. Oh, you can't spend it all? I wouldn't. You could, <laughs> but I hope you've got some other com- money coming in from somewhere else right. to be able to cover your your part got to you. Uncle Sam. Got you. <laughs> um, and, you know, so we'll, we'll wrap it up here, but real quick, and this is a real, real quick. I remember um, we got a chance to go to Kenya because yes. you, you set that up too. So real quick, talk about Kenya and what we did in Kenya. Uh, what was it? Uh, February. Yes, of 2017. 2017. I've been going to Kenya. I had gone in 2014, 15, 16, and then organized my own mission trip uh, with colleagues, close friends in 2017. There was a, still is, a dental clinic as part of the Presbyterian Church of East Africa located in Kikuyu town in Kenya. and Close th- to the capital, Nairobi. Yes, yeah. not too far away sure from just, Nairobi. Yeah, yeah, right. right, yeah. And um, wonderful facility. Again, it's, it's like a community health center environment. This right. is a campus that has all of the medical specialties, including surgical suites and a dental clinic that actually operates at a profit. There's and but children are are an underserved population. So we were able to go and treat hundreds of children in our three day mission that we went there. And having you present, Doctor Aka, you were able to provide full mouth extractions for an aged population that was nearby, and they certainly took advantage of our skills as clinicians. <laughs> And that was that. That was fantastic. We treated over 150 children, and then you had we had a number of adults who sought care from the specialists who were there as well. I would like to tell that story though of uh, the one gentleman that I did the extraction on, and I believe he went back and told everybody else, "Don't go." <laughs> Because <laughs> they're going to take your teeth out. Oh my goodness! So I remember that, and and you know they ended up coming, but it was it was kind of funny because I was like, "What was he expecting?" Right? You know what I mean? We kind of told him that we were going to get take his teeth out, but in the end, he he goes back and he said, "Hey, listen, <laughs> if you don't go, go, if you go, this is what's going to happen to you." So so the choice is yours, right? But you it, it was it was fantastic to to have the opportunity and to have gone over for me for four years, and I try to bring someone new every time I go, right? And it was great to to have you. And our our colleague, Dr. Sarah Quang. That's right. She's been on the podcast too. And if anybody wants to talk to you about how to do the same kind of uh, mission trip, would there be like a business email or something that they can contact you? Don't have the business one already. Reach me at my personal one. It's toothdoctorcarry at gmail.com. Toothdoctor is spelled T-U-T-H-D-R-K-A-R-I at gmail.com. I'd be happy to talk to you about dental school, how to survive, 
how to get dental school paid for, right? how to help defray the cost if you're seeking a loan repayment option once you've graduated, specialty training, personal statement writing, all of that fun stuff. And if, t- I mean, if they have also, they have kids and they want to ask you some quick questions, Absolutely. could they do that? I might charge a consultation <laughs> fee. Teledentistry <laughs> is a billable code. But no, I would be happy to to answer some questions and and for those who have a dental background ex- and and send you to some resources. I think I'm I'm a big proponent of lifelong learning and there's still so much more to learn than just my sole answer to a question. That's it. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cunningham. Thank we you really for having me. Appreciate you. Uh, if you do have any questions you heard, you can always contact her. Uh, you can also contact us. And we definitely thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. Have a good day. Everyone, take care. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R E A L. Dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.